Macworld Podcast number 434 for November 19th, 2014, brought to you by Zero Beautiful Accounting Software. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen, and of course, with me is Susie Oaks. Hey, Susie. Hi, how's it going? I'm doing well. You? Good. Good. Um, let's make this the Susie Show. Because Yay. you've been doing cool stuff lately, and, uh, and I want to hear about it. The first thing is a piece came out today about Uber and why you've chosen to get rid of it. So why don't you give the background and explain what that's about? So Uber is coming under fire. A story broke on BuzzFeed last night that I guess Michael Wolf invited Ben Smith, an editor from BuzzFeed, to a private off-the-record dinner with some Uber executives and some other big big shots. I think uh, Ed Norton was there, Ariana Huffington, some other people. So Michael says on Twitter that he knew it was off the record, but he didn't tell his date, Ben, um, that it was off the record, and no one told Ben that it was off the record. So he went and he sat and he heard the senior VP of business, I think his title is, a guy named Emil Michael, that um, he said, oh, we're getting so much crap from the press and maybe what we should do, what we could do, what we would be perfectly justified in doing is hiring some oppositional researchers and some journalists and let's dig into the, the personal lives and family lives of our critics and see how the media likes it if we turn the tables on them, which is just wrong because no one's digging into the personal lives of these Uber executives. We're just reporting stories like we're supposed to. Um, so anyway, yeah, they, they, they mentioned specifically Sarah Lacey, who works at Pando Daily and has written about why she doesn't agree with Uber's corporate culture and had deleted Uber from her phone. And they were outraged and they said that, you know, if, if, if women delete Uber from their phone and then they take a cab and they get sexually assaulted in the cab, like that's Sarah Lacey's fault and just all these terrible things. Ben Smith was the one reporter who reported it because, you know, he didn't know it was off the record and never agreed to keep it off the record. So, um, yeah, that broke on BuzzFeed last night and all the journalists are very mad. I don't know if regular people are as upset as the the people that I follow on Twitter. So hopefully this isn't too inside baseball. But to me, it was just it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Uber has proven itself untrustworthy with a lot of these dumb little incidents over the last couple of years. So I said, I'm out, I'm deleting it. I think everyone should delete it, but you know, obviously you can do what you wanna do. So I wrote a story for Macworld and PC World on you know, w what's going on with Uber, why I felt like I had to delete it, and if you w also wanna delete it, what you should use instead. There's a lot of other ride sharing apps. There's apps that let you hail taxis, which are you know regulated and unionized. Um, and But you can hail them with your phone and pay with your credit card stored on your phone, just like Uber. So the experience is the same, but you're in a real cab. Um, so, you know, it's 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 kind of, I've, I've been getting some good feedback. Some people are saying, yeah, good points, I'm, I'm doing this too. And other people are saying, look, every company has jerks in the executive suites. And if you start taking a stand against this, then when are you going to take a stand against this and this and this and this? And... And you know, they're not wrong. I can't fix everything. I I can't, you know, delete everything from my phone that I don't agree with, but but still for me right now, I'm done with Uber. I'm going to take Lyft, I'm going to take Sidecar, I'm going to use Flywheel, or you know, I'm just going to drive <laughs> or walk or take the bus because I just can't support Uber anymore. I don't trust them and for a a company that you're having drive you around like to your house, 
you know, they're driving you around late at night. You're in a car by yourself with someone who they said they background checked, but, you know, they, they've come under fire from the attorneys general of San Francisco and Los Angeles that, you know, they're not really doing the background checks they say they're doing. So just all these little things about Uber skeeving me out. So that's why I wrote that story. So what else? I'm Granted, what, what this guy said is just totally out of line. And, and I'm a little surprised that Arianna Huffington hasn't jumped up, you know, as the bastion of liberal <laughs> talk yeah hasn't said oh you know this is terrible or thrown water in the guy's face but apparently was just there as one of the fat cats saying mm, yeah well whatever you know well and i guess um they said that uh travis kalanick i think is how you pronounce his name sorry travis if i got your name wrong but um he was at the other end of the table and he didn't actually hear what this guy said he just posted a what they call a tweet storm of 12 tweets saying like this is unacceptable and whatever, but they, you know, they haven't fired him and nothing's really going to happen. So, um, yeah, so he, I guess he said he didn't know about it. So maybe Ariana was, you know, sitting there talking to him about the caviar they were eating or whatever. And and, and she (laughs) didn't hear it either. I don't know, but yeah, it it is a little weird that, um, yeah, Michael Wolf tweeted. He was like, well, now I look stupid for inviting this guy to the dinner party. So I, I thought maybe hopefully that was a joke, but I guess not. Like he's he's actually taking responsibility for not telling Ben Smith that this was off the record. Right. So that seems to be the problem, right? That it's like, yeah. well, we didn't tell you that you weren't supposed to say anything about this instead of like, yeah, oh, the outrage is over this guy. What he said. Well, maybe he had too many drinks or yeah. something. Uber isn't learning their lesson to not be shady. They're learning their lesson to not talk to reporters. So. <laughs> right, and that seems to be what's come out of this is that this person was not shown the door immediately. Yeah. And just said, you know, this is not the kind of thing you get to say, and you don't get to say it on the record. Either way, you're gone. Yeah. So so what what other problems do people have with Uber? Okay, so um, there have been some incidents with drivers acting inappropriately. There have been some people who, you know, like th- there was a lady in Los Angeles a little while ago who was driven like 40 minutes out, out of the way. And she was like telling the guy, like, you're going the wrong way. I don't want to go this way. And he basically drove her to like an abandoned warehouse and she like freaked out. And then he finally admitted, you know, agreed to take her home. So it was sort of like a weird alleged abduct, you know, abduction. And mm-hmm. she felt unsafe and left her home. And um, what else? They've changed the commissions on, on the drivers, so the drivers aren't always happy. Um, what else did they do? The Wall Street Journal had a really good rundown of everything. Um, oh, the, the Uber, so Uber qu- uh, classifies its drivers as independent contractors, which I guess they are, but you know, like um, Uber really controls how they do their job, so. That would be a legal question whether they're classified correctly. But one of the things is that, like they they try to evade responsibility for things because they're like, well, these drivers don't work for us. So I mean, a, a little girl was was hit in a hit and run was was killed in a hit and run last year on New Year's Eve, and Uber you know by an Uber driver, but he didn't have a fare in the car. So Uber was like, well, if he doesn't have a, a fare in the car, he's not an Uber driver. And I guess this guy like shouldn't have even passed the background check because he had reckless driving conviction from you know years ago so there's been some questions about how serious their background checks are there was a allegedly there was a workaround where in if you weren't going to pass the drivers the the background check all you had to do was kind of take over another driver's account who didn't want to to drive anymore like i got picked up by an uber once in the 
the um, license plate didn't match and I almost didn't get in the car. I was like, look, he's like, no, I have your name and your, your thing on my phone. Like I'm your Uber driver. And I'm like, but this isn't the license plate that the app said. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I switched cars. And he had this like whole explanation. I'm just like, look, I mean, it's the middle of the night. I'm getting in your car. I need to know that you are who you say you are. So sure. yeah, there's just all this shady behavior. Um, people were mad about the surge prices. The CEO like posted an email that he got from someone on his Facebook page and was just like, yeah, get some popcorn, like read this email and like, and and the way I, you know, replied to him. And so just kind of, you know, mocking their customers on social media, like, I don't know, Uber's not cool. So particularly for women, what alternatives should they consider? I mean, men, you know, are going to have issues as well, but certainly women tend to be more vulnerable in, in cases like this. So yeah. are there particular things they should be looking out for or services they should frequent? Um, well, so there's a few other ride-sharing services. I've used Lyft. I haven't used Sidecar. People have been telling me since I posted that story good things about Sidecar. Um, it just kind of depends. I mean, they all, they've all been called out by the attorney general for their background checks, but I don't know what the results of that investigation were, if Lyft's background checks are any more stringent than, than Uber's. Um, yeah, it's tricky to, to try to find a company that you really trust. And these startups who are kind of operating outside the law a little bit, you know, are, might be harder to trust than like your, your friendly cabbie, which isn't that cabbies, you know, are all nice people and never assault anyone either. But um, so for me, I mean, yeah, I'd rather just drive my car when I can. Um, I take the bus. I try to travel in groups. Yeah, it's it's scary out there. It kind of sucks being a woman sometimes, I got to tell you. Yeah. Um, so do you what's the upshot of this? Do you think that Uber comes out with a white paper in the next few days saying, okay, here's our new corporate policy and we've thrown that guy out and we've thrown all his friends out and we've thrown his dog out. (laughs) And then everybody else follows suit and says, no, we have to get serious about this because we actually are putting people's lives in our hands. And, you know, cabbies, as much problem as people have had with cabbies over time, they're a well-established mode of transportation. They're covered by insurance policies. You may not like the particular cabbie you get, but you feel that there's some recourse if something happens. Yeah. Yeah. And with ride sharing, at least you're being tracked by GPS. Like you get in a cab, you could disappear. They'd have no idea like where, you know, what happened to you. So so there's kind of pros and cons. Um, I don't know. I don't think Uber is really going to do anything. I think they're just going to keep putting out their press releases and just sort of hope that this all goes away. Um, which has kind of been their tactic for when other things happen. They just they don't really address it publicly. Um, so yeah, it would be nice if this guy got fired. I don't think he will. Um, he's also on a committee that advises the Pentagon, so that's nice. <laughs> well, I th- I think it has. We'll have to see how how much legs it has. You know, oftentimes I think as somebody said in in a comment in your story is that like oh well this is just the latest. Twitter outrage du jour, yeah, and it goes away tomorrow, and then everybody says, "Oh, gee, maybe I overreacted." And I don't think you overreacted. I've left services for various reasons um, that have blown over in a couple of days, and everybody's forgotten about it. So maybe if this continues, and then further things come out, maybe at that point Uber has to react and kind of grow up and realize that that they can't behave this way, and uh, they have to look like a more responsible company than than so they have so far. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All right. Um, speaking of trips, you took a trip yesterday. Yeah. Yes, and you went and saw something cool. So tell me about that. 
So I went to L.A. and um, to see the new CarPlay stereo from Alpine. Alpine is based in SoCal, so they had some people down to Santa Monica and drove along the, the beautiful oceanfront in a car with a nice CarPlay stereo. Um, this is the second CarPlay stereo I got to try. I used um, the Pioneer aftermarket um, next system for a few days and wrote a story a couple weeks back on Macworld. Um, the Pioneer was really cool. I like CarPlay a lot as a platform. The Pioneer stereo had a couple problems with it. It's a capacitive touchscreen, which is, you know, what we're used to um, on all our Apple devices with the touchscreens. And I, but I, that's that's new for for car stereos. Most of them have um, pressure touchscreens instead. And um, so it wasn't really th that great of a touchscreen. Like I had to tap it a couple times, and I would say "Hey Siri," and the Siri thing would come up. But she wasn't always listening, and I'd have to like press the you know microphone button a few times to get her to hear me. So so yeah, I just had a few kind of hardware issues with it. But the software side worked great. It's really great how you don't need to set anything up. Like you just go and plug in your phone, and everything from your phone is now accessible from your stereo. So you don't have to, you know, enter, you don't have to type in addresses into your GPS. Like if you search for it on your phone or it's saved in your contacts, it's right there, and you can just call it up with voice. So it was really cool to get to test Alpine's version, which is coming out. Um, I think it's out now. They said, and. Um, it's a little less expensive. The Pioneer I tested was a $1,400 aftermarket stereo. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the quality problems were like, I can't recommend it if, you know, the touchscreen doesn't really work. I mean, mm -hmm. we're kind of spoiled by Apple's touchscreens, and this just right. was not up to par. Um, the Alpine touchscreen was great. It actually worked really, really well. Um, and the it had a Siri button on the front. So they can map the Siri button. If you buy a new car with CarPlay, um, already installed, it'll probably have a Siri button on the steering wheel for you, but a lot of new cars have a voice control button on the steering wheel. So if your car has one of those and you get this Alpine stereo installed, they can map Siri to that button for you. But if you don't have that button already, th there's one on the stereo. So you could reach out and touch it and then talk to Siri reliably every time. So that was totally fixed and the touchscreen was a lot better. Um, it's also cheaper. It's eight hundred dollars, so that's a, a that's a good chunk cheaper. But the thing is, you really have to be all in on the iPhone because the Pioneer stereo, like CarPlay, was an option. And if you didn't have an iPhone plugged in, it still had, you know, it had Bluetooth connectivity, so you could connect a, a different phone with Bluetooth and and play play you know your music that way. And then um, I think it also had satellite radio and stuff. But this CarPlay. Uh, stereo from Alpine is really just CarPlay. If anyone drives your car who doesn't have an iPhone on them, all they get is AM FM radio. So wow, just like the old days. Yeah, like the old days, <laughs> like all my cars until now. Um, so yeah, but it was it was really cool. It was it was a lot better done than the Pioneer, as long as everyone in your family is is iPhone only and you're all in. So generally speaking, how distracting do you think CarPlay is? Or is it really just as simple as any other device you might use on your car while driving? Um, we'll see. It's, it's got a lot of voice, and then it doesn't put a lot of texts on the screen. Like you, if you get a, an incoming text message, for example, there's a notification, but it never shows the text 
You never, it never mm-hmm. writes it out on the screen. Siri will read it to you and you can reply with your voice and it doesn't show your reply either. She'll read it back and ask you if you want to send it. So they, so that, you know, they did that and tried to keep you from getting too distracted by what's on the screen. But using your voice can also be distracting because Siri's pretty good if you ask right, but sometimes she, you know, she doesn't hear you right. Both of these, um, when you get these stereos installed, they put a microphone in your car. So you don't have to like, you know, worry about where your phone is and if it's mm-hmm. close enough to hear you. Um, there is a microphone. So that's pretty good. So Siri can usually hear you, but if she can parse your language right, then you're fine and it doesn't take a lot of interaction to get what you need done. And you can say, where's the nearest 7-Eleven? And like, boom, there it comes up and, and you're going. So, so as long as Siri and you communicate well, it's not so distracting. But if, if you're not... If you don't use Siri a lot and you have to kind of, you know, try a few times to get the answer that you want, that can almost be more distracting than mm-hmm. if you just picked up your phone because you know what you're going to on your phone. But then, of course, that takes your eyes off the road. So it's good that it's hands free. But, you know, if you have to do a lot of back and forth with Siri, you can be, you know, you might just blow by your exit on the freeway because you were busy talking to Siri. Well, I think that's uh an issue that not everyone fully grasps is that this isn't doing anything to enhance Siri. This doesn't make Siri smarter. No. So if you're in a position where you're constantly arguing with Siri, saying, no, no, not not that way. Don't do that. Yeah. You're still going to have the same frustrations. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's kind of a, there's a learning curve. If, once you get sort of used to asking the right way, I mean, they try to, you know, market Siri as just this totally natural language and she can parse anything you say, but that's not really true. Like, you still have to, there's kind of a, you know, there's different syntaxes to phrase, ideally phrase what you want her to do, and then she'll answer you back every time. But, um, yeah, so, you know, sending texts. I couldn't get it to read emails. I could get it to tell me I had email, which, like, duh, I always have email. So, but that was fine. I mean, I don't really want to deal with email in the car. (laughs) <laughs> do you currently use your phone in the car much? Yeah, I do. I try to. I use Waze for for navigation, and I use you know RDO um, for music. But I try to set that all up ahead of time because I don't really want to be playing with it while I'm driving. Right. So, so yeah, I, I try to set it up ahead of time. I don't answer the phone while I'm driving. Um, but yeah, if I you know if I had CarPlay in my in my everyday car, I would I would use it a lot. Yeah, more more so than you use your phone now. Yeah, more than I would use my phone now. Okay. And when I had it, it was great. Like I got, you know, a text message from the nanny while I was driving and I was able to text her back and then call my husband and tell her like, look, they need a ride. I don't have the car seat. You got to go get them. And it, yeah, you know, I, I was doing all that at highway speeds and I never felt like, oh man, this is distracting. I need to pull over. So. Well, I know you've been following this for a while. So how baked do you think CarPlay is? Or are we just seeing the very beginning of this stuff? And, and rather than throw $800 at a system like this, we ought to maybe wait half a year and see what comes out. Well, the beauty of CarPlay is that all the updates are done on the phone side. Mm-hmm. So as more third-party apps add CarPlay you know, cap- uh, support, so like iHeartRadio added it kind of recently and Stitcher, the podcast app, um, added it. So as those happen, like whatever apps you have on your phone that are CarPlay compatible, like all you have to do is update your phone, which, you know, you're probably doing anyway. And then right. when you plug it into your phone, you plug it into your car, that's all there. So I asked um, 
yeah, Pioneer can can put out the, both Pioneer and Alpine can put out firmware updates for for their CarPlay stereos, but they just don't anticipate needing to do that very much because like the updates are pretty much all coming from Apple's side. Right. So that's a really nice thing that you don't have to worry about updating your stereo, you know, taking it in or whatever you have to do to get that updated. So yeah, as long as your phone is up to date, you should, CarPlay should just keep getting better. Right, and then we can anticipate other manufacturers coming out with CarPlay head units so that you don't have to buy a whole new car to, to get this. Yeah, Pioneer and Alpine were like the first two partners that Apple, you know, announced with and they're both coming to market now. So, but the, you know, there could be other ones. Great. We have other stuff to cover, but before we get to that, let's hear about Zero, which is beautiful accounting software. Zero, spelled X-E-R-O, is the online accounting software and platform for your small business. With Zero, it doesn't matter if your small business is brick and mortar or online. That's because Zero was born in the cloud and built in the cloud. This means that you can manage your accounting anytime, anywhere with your Mac, PC, iOS, or Android device. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at Zero.com slash podcasts to manage your invoicing and get paid faster, get an instant view of your cash flow, track your expenses on the go, and manage all of your financial reports. You can even collaborate with your accountant or bookkeeper in real time whenever you like. Zero seamlessly integrates with over 350 best-in-class business tools to process mobile payments, manage payroll, run your back office, and much more. It's no wonder over 370,000 customers in more than 180 countries use Zero, and you can too. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at zero.com/podcasts. That's x e r o.com/podcasts. And not only that, Zero randomly selects five people a month who have signed up to receive a mystery box of goodies called Zero Plus from a company that already swears by Zero. Zero, beautiful accounting software. Okay, one thing I wanted to bring up is last week we talked about net neutrality and, and essentially how this isn't so much political as it, it's about money. But politics do get involved. And um, an interesting turn of events, I thought, last week was after the president came out and he said, we want to classify uh, ISPs as Title II carriers so that we're going to treat this more like utility. The guy who runs AT&T said, well, if you were to do that, that's going to introduce a certain amount of uncertainty into the market. And gosh, we're going to have to kind of put our fiber rollout on hold, uh, which sounded like a threat. And I think it was, which is basically you mess with us and we're going to stop, you know, we're going to hold this for ransom. And, uh, and I thought the FCC was very uh, wise and smart to go back to them and said, well, speaking of that, we would like to see all your plans for your rollout of fiber, because you've been talking about this fiber rollout for a really long time and nothing much <laughs> is happening. So would you mind bringing in every shred of documentation you have about this particular thing, since you're going to threaten us over it? Oh, and by the way, you know that little deal you've got with DirecTV that you'd like to have pass before us and have us put our stamp of approval on? We're going to think about that as well. So um, I thought the gamesmanship here was very interesting that one AT&T's Randall Stevens would be so uh, obvious about threatening the government over this sort of thing. And, yeah. and nicely that the FCC came back and said, um, we're going to grill you a bit on this. Because I, I really thought that Tom Wheeler was kind of 
going to roll over on a bunch of this stuff and just say, all right, fine. But it seems like either he's putting up a good front or even he said, okay, that's a step too far. What do you, what do you think about kind of what's going on with these battles? Um, yeah, well, yeah, the, the, if they want these big mergers to be approved, they, they, they need to play ball a little bit and they need to, to prove that this is in the best interest of the people. And I don't think they've done that. And I'm glad that the FCC is holding them accountable. Yeah, I'm seeing who's lining up for and against this. And the players are, are kind of widespread, as, a little bit as we talked about last week. So you've got people who are just oppose everything the president does. So, you know, Senator Ted Cruz and some of those people. And there's no pleasing them. No, there isn't. I mean, he could, no matter what the president does, they're going to be unhappy and they'll say the opposite. And so we understand them and we can sort of put them in, in one category. But... I've also seen a number of the people who would classify themselves as quite conservative who are coming out for net neutrality. Um, a lot of retailers are. People in chambers of commerce are because their sites depend on there being an open internet, as well as people like Google and Microsoft and Apple and, and all the regular players there. So I'm intrigued to see how this is actually going to go again, because it does seem like the moneyed interests and, and the few marginalized ultra-conservatives are upset about this, but everybody else in the world seems to think, no, bad idea to have a tiered internet. And I don't know how they, how they move forward on this um, because they don't seem to have support anywhere that really matters. Yeah, and I think the net neutrality supporters have been doing a pretty good job of uh, communicating, you know, why this would be a big problem and like what people can do about it. So, so that that's a point on that side because I think once people understand it, it's pretty clear that, you know, getting rid of net neutrality would be a bad idea. Seems that way. But, you know, I'm not sure I'd put money on it happening. Yeah. Just, just because it just seems like there's so many moneyed interests in the way just saying, nope, we're going to somehow make this, we're going to compromise this somehow. And again, I'm not getting a warm, fuzzy feeling from Tom Wheeler, who's running the FCC, because he's an old lobbyist for them. And, you know, you'd, you'd like to think that he could step away from that. But there's so much money being thrown around over this issue that I just, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if we will, uh, if the consumer will win out on this one. I hope so, but we'll see. Um, last thing I have is um, we had iOS and Yosemite updates come out yesterday. Yep. They solved all our problems, yes? Did you update? I did. Okay. Um, I wasn't really having a lot of problems. Well, okay, on my iOS device, I had a problem where multi-touch gestures stopped working mm -hmm. for a while. So you, I try to pinch to zoom in or do my thing there, and it doesn't work. Or go back to the home screen. Um, so that didn't get fixed. Yosemite people were having Wi-Fi issues, and that was reported widely. And I've heard a couple of people, you know, out of the people I've listened to, say, yeah, it seems better. But a lot of people said, nope, still hasn't fixed it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that too. Um, yeah, I didn't have any Wi-Fi issues, so it's going to be hard for me to test that. But um, yeah, that's a that's a big problem because you need Wi-Fi. I didn't uh, update my Mac or my iPhone because I was traveling and I was on airport Wi-Fi all day. So, um, but weirdly, the the problem, the biggest problem I was having with iOS 8.1 was that there was this big lag when I tried to delete an app. 
Mm-hmm. Like you'd, I'd get him jiggling and I'd hit the X and nothing would happen for like a good 15 seconds. And then it would say, oh, did you want to delete yeah, that? Yeah, I've seen that too. But it, it went away. It, like it just, I just tried to delete an app now when I deleted Uber last night at the airport. It deleted right away and I just deleted another one now just to see if it, that delay was still happening. And that seems to be gone and I haven't even updated yet. So my phone is clearly haunted. I don't know what it is, but you have an iPhone 6, right? Yes. So there's a whole class of problems with the iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus that don't seem to be affecting other people. Hmm. And so that makes the puzzle even more sticky because um, you can apply this update to, I mean, obviously they they create different versions of the update for different um, devices, but still it doesn't seem that you're getting the same um, reactions across different devices. Maybe it works fix something on this one but not necessarily on that one and then the six is having a completely different issue that nobody else seems to be having which you can understand that this is tough for the folks at apple who are trying to sort all this stuff out but given that yosemite's wi-fi thing was was the big issue that everybody seemed to be having problems with um or making the most noise about and the fact that it didn't get fixed for everybody is is not happy making i think for yeah. for users as well as for apple who probably thought oh there we've got it and oh gee yeah it was don't. i mean it was thing one in the release notes right so right because they were going they were talking to developers about it mm-hmm. and saying listen let us know if you're having this issue and talk to us because we want to figure out what's going on here which uh makes me a, a little uncertain about some of the internal testing at apple if if they're having to go that far out into the community and saying gee it's not working and let us know, um, you know, rather than being able to go through lines of code and say, oh, this is exactly what's going on. Yeah, found it. <laughs> found it. Yeah, we'll get it the next time. And, and it seems like Oop, maybe didn't find it. Yeah, um, they think they found it. But yeah. Yeah. So I guess we wait for the next one. Apparently the 8.2 is in beta now. OK. So, you know, clearly they're working around the clock on this stuff. Yeah. But um, I think as we said last week or before, there's there seems to be this increasing sense that some of this stuff is getting rushed out and not getting as, uh, fixed as quickly as, as some people would like. Yeah, I almost feel guilty for not having these problems at all. Like, my Wi-Fi's been fine. <laughs> so, so yeah, I want them to fix it. But, um, yeah, I almost feel, like, disloyal to all the people who are upset well, about it because I'm like, I don't know, it's fine, fine over here. Yeah, and that's the problem with troubleshooting anything is when you have some people's stuff that's perfectly fine and others not. And then there can be so many variables depending on what you have on your computer and you know, not hardware, but but software and mm-hmm. other things that have been done to it. That it's just a rat's nest of trying to figure out what this stuff is, um, what's happening there. And and again, maybe it makes you think, as difficult as this may have been, maybe letting this bake a little longer would have been a good idea, so that there weren't these kinds of problems when it came out. But again, that seems to be the trend of of technology these days: is that things come out in sort of beta shape. And then we fix it over time, and we're all supposed to be sort of fine with that. Yeah. Like a video game where everyone's faces are missing. Really? Did you see that? No. Oh, there was like a, yeah, a big video game came out. I think it was an Assassin's Creed game, and there was like a glitch, and people's faces were all weird. PC World did a funny story about it. (laughs) Did it improve the game or not? (laughs) I don't know if it actually even broke the game, but yeah, it just looked really bad. Like people's faces were hanging off and they all looked like crazy demons when they were supposed to look like regular people. So yeah, but it's like, yeah, putting it out and patching it is, you know, shouldn't be the, the MO. But it seems to be that is it now though, that that's, that's how we do everything now is you put it out and patch it. Yeah. 
that's almost it's, a problem with like downloading you know when it was when it was on discs like they had to get it right oh yeah yeah well and maybe that added an extra layer of security there which is basically said we're going to burn this to a disc yeah so Gold it's gotta master. be right and it's not that everything was perfect in the past. I think we looked through it with you know, rose-colored glasses thinking, well, yes, but everything was solid. No, there were always problems before. But there seemed to be, and, and maybe it's because Apple has its fingers in more pies now, that when you've got iOS that isn't behaving as well as you'd like it to, and OS X, and new hardware, that people tend, and also Apple is much more visible these days. I think people tend to pile on, particularly when Apple's got this reputation as being, we're the best at everything and, and we do lovely things, and they do, but it's, um, it's easier for some people to find fault with them given that perception. Right. Um, unless you have something else, I think we can be done. Uh, I'm good. Okay, good. We're good too. So uh, let's talk next week. Okay. And that wraps up another edition of the Macworld Podcast, sponsored by Zero Beautiful Accounting Software. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>